Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi, Liam. Welcome to the show today. For our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? But more importantly, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, perfect. Hi, Darren. Nice to nice to join you. Yeah, so my name is Liam. I'm one of the co-founders of Dr. Wills. Our business is healthier condiments. So we make ketchup, barbecue sauce, mayonnaise, but, but healthier versions made with natural ingredients and no added sugar. In terms of what gets me out of bed, Dr. Wills are really passionate about healthy eating and better quality food. So our mission is to make food better. And that means making food better tasting, better for you, and then also better for the planet. So that is kind of the first thing that gets me out of bed. And then I guess the other thing is it's exciting running fast growing business. So trying to gain share in a in a market that's been dominated by these big players for a long time is an exciting challenge to have. And sort of, you know, see, seeing that growth yeah, gets gets me excited. And I guess the last one is the team. So we've got an awesome group of people we work with and it's just generally good fun to kind of you know work with people like that and, and try and sort of press on every day. Amazing. So can we go into a little about what your career or your journey has been like pre-Dr. Will's days? Yeah, sure. So after I graduated, I went into investment banking. So very, very different what we're doing now. But weirdly, there seems to be quite a few people who were accountants, bankers, consultants in particular, who end up sort of going down the entrepreneurial route. I knew when I graduated that I wanted to start my own business at some point. I've always been sort of passionate about that and, and wanted to, so I was starting to see all the big tech companies and, and seeing this kind of big startup era happening. So I always wanted to sort of get involved in that. And I think now if you graduate, there's actually a much better path into startups. I didn't really know how to do that at the time when I when I graduated. I was trying to banking because it, it you work really closely with companies and you just learn how businesses work. So you, you, you learn what the good companies are doing, what the companies that aren't doing so well are doing. And then you work on these these deals that are quite exciting, joining businesses together in M&A and raising money and, and, and all this sort of stuff that is, is really applicable to running your own business. So in the last couple of years, it's a pretty brutal working environment. So I was after a couple of years of this, I, I thought kind of, while I still really enjoyed the high level of what I was doing, a lot of the work is at the gene level. It's quite mundane and it takes a long time to get through to, to the level where it's you have real responsibility and it's exciting. And I felt like, I was at a point where I could it could take on a bit more than I was being given and I wanted to have you know real responsibilities and I met Will and Josh I was looking for for startups things to do and I met Will and Josh who had you know, just started Dr. Will's we had a product we just about had a manufacturer and it was yeah, and we had a few a few stockists who were in a, a couple of wholesalers I met the guys and decided to join the founding team and and try and scale up Dr. Wills and, and, and take it from sort of you know a few independent stockists and and you know, work on the product and get it to a, a national brand and then hopefully international brand. So it, what was sort of that moment or that sort of light bulb to say I'm walking away from the corporate? This is where my drive or my passion is. Yeah, so I had a I had a really crystal light bulb moment. I went for dinner with a few friends and there are a few people there that were friends of friends I didn't know. And I ended up sitting next to a guy who ran a completely different business. It was like uh, 
it's selling like immunity kits into airlines completely completely different so you know when you, you go on an airline you get the moisturizer and the face mask and all of those bits and pieces of the socks i ended up chatting to this guy and he was just telling me about how he was flying to to like Abu Dhabi to meet people he was probably a couple of years older than, than i was at the time to, to pitch his product and then the next day is an r&d meeting and all this sort of stuff and I, and I just kind of i was just taken aback by the whole thing i was like this guy is a couple of years older than me and is doing all of this amazing stuff and i'm <laughs> to be blunt making powerpoint slides and, and formatting excel models and i thought i've got to I've got to do something different. So that was kind of the first sign that those kind of things existed and you could do it. And obviously you read the stories about the Zuckerbergs and the Elon Musk and people like that out there. But actually seeing somebody like in your network doing it was just, just kind of got me going. And then that morning I had a bunch of woke up and it was in the Blackberry day. So I checked my, checked my Blackberry in the morning and there was a, I had to basically go Saturday morning. I had to go to the office and spend like many hours, let's say, in the office and most of the weekend there. And I just, at the end of that weekend, worked, I kind of worked pretty much solidly from Saturday morning through to Sunday evening. I said to myself, that's that's the last time that, that I do that without having having something, you know, something something ready to go into, into next. Amazing. It's a, I'm always interested in what sparks these, because it's a big decision from like it's a full pivot a full switch with whatever word you want to use and that it always gets us interested in like what what makes someone give that middle finger to the corporate world and go out on a limb so today's topic of conversation and the reason you're here is all around the big impact of it's described as the most credible tool a company can use to measure its impact on its workers community environment and customers but in your own words, can you describe what B Corp is? Yeah, so I think for us, B Corp is a sign that you're a business that chooses to balance profit and purpose. And you can essentially, you consider the impact of all your decisions on, on our people, so our team, on our customers and the environment. And I guess to go further than that, it's really, it's a business that realizes it has a responsibility to do more than just make money. And I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. You can be a good business that is that is growing fast that is has a, has a very viable business model but at the same time you are making sure that you consider the impact of, of what you're doing and and minimizing the bad impact and doing everything you can to 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 do to do things better and to do things in a positive way perfect so let's talk about that journey of getting it's uh, it's known as a certification if i'm right in thinking i believe you got that in november so quite recent just trying to understand what what you had to go through yeah so the process the whole process took us a long time took us about about 18 months so we're working it from pretty much the the beginning of 2019 and then all the way through that year and then then got it at the end of 2020 we announced it in january this year so you start off with with these called the b impact assessment essentially it's it's a long list of questions about how you do things in your business and then once you fill that in you get a guide as to how you're doing and it's a real it works across um five different pillars so covering everything from your governance to your impact on customers impact on workers and then uh impact on the environment so you're scored across all of these and then how you do on that initial assessment determines essentially the amount of work you need to do to get to to get to a score where you you, you can become a b corp um, so that's the start of the process and then the next part of the process is 
going through everything you do and then improving things, putting processes in place and, and making changes as required to get your business up to that standard. And then it's also, we see it as a commitment to constantly improve. So I think for us, getting accredited is a, is a great first step, but there's a lot more we can do and we want to use that community and uh, work with the other the other businesses and, and share knowledge around what everyone is doing so that we can all sort of drive everything forward and the whole thing becomes a lot more powerful with the more people that you that get involved in it. Yeah, so I believe your current score is 84.1 when I was on the B Corp website. And it ties quite nicely within what you were saying. So probably a bit of a two-pronged question was from that initial assessment that you did or the initial impact questions, was there any big fundamental changes that you were a massive no-go no on? or And then probably the second part of that question is, from the score now, is there something that you're working on that takes takes that number up or what are you trying to achieve? Yeah, so on the first part, we the biggest area that we had work to do in was, and I think it's been quite common for a lot of small businesses, is we just didn't have many processes. So there's lots of things that we were doing, but we didn't document them. So we would get basically zero points. So things like ethics policies and even sort of like code of conducts, some sort of policies for employees, like employee handbooks and things like that. They're all like quite important, but we just didn't have any of these things because we were small and everybody, we told all these people and the people that work for us, we told that stuff in interviews and things like that, but we just never got to a point where we documented them and a lot of stuff was in mine, world and Josh's heads, which is obviously not the right way to run a business. So a lot of it, it sort of kicks into shape on a lot of things with getting getting all of those processes documented, written down properly. Um, so that was probably the biggest area that, that we had improvements in. And then there were other areas, I'd say, around visibility. So, you know, work with warehouses, manufacturers and things like that. There were some things that we didn't know the answers to. And probably should. So, you know, what's the environmental policy in our in our office? What they do with energy and things like that. We just didn't know the answers to those things. Now we do. And going forward, when we're taking on new partners to work with, we'll kind of we know what questions we should be asking to make sure that that people we're working with live up to the standards that, that we expect as a B Corp. Cool. So what what sort of score of your target have you set yourself? Or how often can the can the number change as well? Yeah, so we haven't set a particular target. It will be reviewed annually. So we haven't set like a, a numeric goal, but there's certain things that we're looking to do in the business. So one of the things we're doing is we're nearly there, but we want to make sure everything in our supply chain is recycled and recyclable. And so there's you know, materials we're swapping over. We've done a lot of work with our online orders. So we used to have, we, we have glass products. So obviously require a fair bit of packaging when we're shipping to consumers. We've got everything now. We use biodegradable packaging and then we use shredded cardboard, which is the you know the old boxes shredded up that, that have been used previously. Whereas before we were using great sort of uh, called air sacs, air sac packaging, which is fantastic, but not very environmentally friendly. It's very good at packaging. So we just sort of worked on changing those things, not compromising on the materials and the, the ability to package, but but being environmentally stronger. So there's quite a few small projects that we're doing throughout our supply chain just to to, to keep improving and, and get everything as good as it can be there. And then there's a few other sort of like bigger things we're looking at. So one of them is, is a, a program called Loop and Tesco are trialing it, which is a reverse vending machine solution, which is quite similar to in Germany. Almost all beverages that are consumed are go through the reverse vending machine. So you buy, buy a beverage in the supermarket and then you take the bottle back into a reverse vending machine. A company would then clean it uh, up to up to sort of um, 
food standards, send it back to the manufacturer, and then they will refill into that packaging. That's being trialed in in 10 Tesco stores in the spring, spring, summer. So we're, we're hoping we'll be able to be a part of that if we can be. Uh, and so that's like one of the sort of bigger areas around bigger kind of thing that we're trying to do with, uh, with, with, with reuse and recycling. And then there's other areas we're looking at the full kind of circular economy. Other areas are around carbon, for example. So we're looking at how can we firstly reduce the amount of carbon we use as much as possible by using better methods, but then as well, what can we do to offset? So that's another area that we're, we're looking at this year. So a couple of quick questions that jumped out and talking about the Tesco example there that you've just shared with the refillable bottles and stuff. Do you think the big corp or the big impact will ultimately then change the way that we every household recycles? So at the minute, I've got glass or I've got a plastic bottle that I've finished with and it goes in my blue bin. I learned the other week that depending on where you're on in the UK, you have a blue bin or a green bin that mean different things and stuff like that. But in, in your recycling bin, if you then all of a sudden have to keep the product to be able to take it back to then be replenished? Yeah, so I think there's going to be a mixture of changing consumer habits is hard. So I think, that, and that's why there's a trial, because it, it might just might not work. And, and you probably saw last year, pre-COVID, there was a big focus on, and, and in summer of so 2019 as well, there's a big focus on the supermarkets doing trials of people bringing their own containers. So, you know, bringing, bringing down some Tupperware and then filling up with pasta. And they were quite successful in the in the small number of stores they, they tried them in. So there is some appetite out there for people to, you know, bring things along and then you know, your pastas, your rice, all of these kind of products that you would normally buy in plastic packaging, not to do that. So I think there's definitely going to be a need to change consumer habits. But then also, the more B Corps there are, and the more people commit to this, the more we, as, as a kind of a community, have a have a sort of a lobbying force to, to press for change. So I think that will give us a, a bigger voice to to educate people and also to change whether it's kind of like I said with recycling whether it's like a local government level or, or wherever it needs to be we'll have a greater voice to be able to, to to get things changed that need changing so i think it's going to be a bit of a mixture of approaches okay is there any incentives from the government to become a b corp no not that i'm aware of i think it's and, and to be honest i think a lot of the businesses want to do it and there are there's no sense for the government but there are i think it's been amazing since we became a b corp the number of like cold job applications we've had from people saying i, I came across you on the b corp directory and also uh contact from companies you know marketing agencies and things and saying the same thing we're a b corp and we're looking to work with more b corps so i think it, it's I think it's quite self-perpetuating and it's amazing that people who are graduating now are looking on B Corp directory to find companies to work for because they want to work with they want to work with brands that are aligned to their their, their values. And you see all this data with you know millennials are no longer work at companies for 20 years, that life has gone. But people want to work, they they want a job where they identify with that with that job and they also want to you know they want to really they want more than just somewhere where you go from nine to five and you you know you make make some money that enables you to enjoy the rest of your life yeah and that was it's quite interesting that you've just mentioned about other businesses that are big corp and sort of little community that's going on do you think there's going to be a lot more peer pressure in the future with those that aren't a B Corp that they need to be? Do you do you see with the momentum or the shift that 
that it's that it's going towards that if you're not part of it you'll be more singled out by not yeah i think there's there's a long way to go so i think we're quite a long way from getting to that stage and i think lots of businesses are because and are doing amazing things so i don't think it's the it's not the, the be all and end all i think it's a, it's a great thing and i think it is it's, it's brilliant that there's something that a certification you can get that signifies that you are doing all of this doing all of these good things but i think it will take a while to get to a point where consumers completely understand it. So it's still probably a minority and, and, you know, we're in this industry, so we talk about it all the time. But in terms of the general consumer who goes into the supermarket, the number of people who know about it isn't at the level that it needs to be yet. And I think we've had this discussion around, you know, when do we get to the point where on the front of your packaging, you have the B Corp logo? And I don't think we're there yet, but I'd love to be in a position in a couple of years' time or, or even sooner where, where we are and people are shopping based on that B Corp logo. And then when that starts to happen, I guess you get to a point where people are left out or you feel feel some pressure to, to catch up. And I think that's happened with packaging and, and in other areas. If, if brands are, you know, brands have got stuff that's in single use, single use packaging or, or single use plastic, which doesn't need to be, you know, things like the the four 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 tin multi packs with the with the plastic tubing around it is now kind of largely in cardboard and the brands that aren't in cardboard are, are, are moving to it. So you see like these little things where people are people are pressurized and I guess it will it will kind of keep happening in, in different areas, which I think is a good thing because it people innovate and, and, and do better on the sustainability front will encourage people to to, to keep up and, and, and keep keep pressing and, and the more consumer pressure there is to do a better job, the better the better things become because you demand more from businesses. And I think being a B Corp is almost like being on the front foot with that and saying, look, we're gonna do everything we can from the inside to, to try and to try and do better. And you look at the businesses like Innocent who are who are pioneering that kind of uh, stuff from the very beginning, just doing always doing the right things. And uh, we look up to businesses like that. It's it's quite interesting. Tesco seems to be sort of the the supermarket that's on the front foot of this as well i remember in the news a little while ago where it was around that single-use plastic around the beans and things like that i think at the time is that from your experience of being in that sector these guys are the ones kicking the door down yeah i mean i think the fact that they're the first in the loop trial yeah things like that with the beans i saw something with they did something similar on the coffee pods taking single-use plastics out of those so i think they've done lots of really good stuff and i said lots of the supermarkets are doing really good things i think they realize that they can you know they're, they're so big that they can make an enormous difference and there's lots of really good initiatives that, that are around tesco have a great partnership with fair share for, for trying to tackle food waste and yeah i think they're doing they're doing a fantastic job as are as are lots of the, lots of the supermarkets perfect so what's talking a little more about dr wills what's around the corner for yourself or for the business yeah, I mean, so last year was a was a big year for us, weirdly. Um, so getting into Tesco Waitrose was a big step forward. We've got these products that we've worked really hard on and then we think they taste great and we've got great taste awards for them and, and are healthier. And so being able to being available in across the country is a is a big step for us, which means we can get them to get them to more people. So big big focus this year is on brand awareness. We know that we're available in these great stores and have good distribution, but people don't know who Dr. Wills don't know what the Dr. Wills brand is about, don't know that we're we're a condiment business. So we're trying to really spread that message and sell to more people. So big thing for us is 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 brand awareness. And then also, yeah, growing the brand in the UK is the absolute, absolute priority. But then hopefully we'll start to see some of the other areas of, of the market open up 
the likes of food service that have been sort of closed for nearly a year now. So we're sort of starting to look at, at what the world looks like and hopefully in the summer going into this kind of post-COVID, post-COVID world. So is there any new products on the horizon or I'm not getting told that as an exclusive yet? <laughs> we're, we're working on bits and pieces and yeah, we, we will likely launch something later this year, yeah. And, th- and that's all I'm getting. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm going to be cagey on that one. We've got to, we've got to wait. It's uh, a bit more exciting when it lands if, uh, if, if I don't spill the beans now. Oh, all right, well, I know where I stand now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were sort of describing the products to a potential new customer or some, some of our listeners may never have heard of the brand, they're probably the main source ones is like your tomato barbecue and beetroot ketchup. How close would you say, like, for instance, the tomato and the barbecue are t- to the the large brand that begins with H, and I won't say for the, the flavor, I can't even speak, taste and flavor, or do you get something special with Dr. Will's? Yeah, they're a little bit, I'd say uh, they're a little bit different, but they're not miles apart. So when you taste our ketchup, you get all of the things that you want from a ketchup. So you get sweetness, you get that sort of vinegary hit, and then you get some of the spices coming through. And I guess with ours, we've got a high tomato percentage. We use dates to sweeten them rather than added sugar. And the dates actually add a, a depth of flavor and a texture that, that's really nice. And then we use, yeah, we use spices, we don't use any gums or thickeners or anything like that. So everything in our products is stuff that you can recognize, pronounce. And then we've won Great Taste Awards. So on our ketchup, the tomato ketchup has a Great Taste Awards. And then mayonnaise range, so our, our classic and chili and our avocado. So they're credited as great tasting. And we know that there's no... You can have the healthiest product in the world, but if it tastes like cardboard, people won't eat it. And it, it's pointless if you, if you make a product that is so healthy, but nobody, you won't get it to, no one will try it and you won't get it into, you won't be able to, to grow the business because people will buy it once and they'll never buy it again. So we've been really focused from the start and we've got more focus as we've grown on, on taking on consumer feedback and making the products taste as great as it possibly can. But we won't compromise on on uh, on the ingredients at the same time. So we will always have products where, if you turn them turn them around, have a look on the label, everything that's in there is standard ingredients that you'd have in your in your kitchen. There's nothing, yeah, nothing you don't recognise. Nothing that sounds like it's made in a lab. <laughs> Makes complete sense. So one of our core values is we love to learn, and I always love to ask everyone that I interview how you learn or who do you take advice from obviously you've completely changed your journey from the corporate world into this one is there any sort of looking back and learning from that who sort of jumped out or what where you went to learn to to get on trend as such yeah so i think in terms of learning there's a a couple of different things i think first one is is build a great network so I think it's it's absolutely key to to have people in your industry. And in the beginning, you when you when you're in the startup journey, you don't know anybody and you don't know anything, which is quite a daunting place to be. And if you you know, for me coming from big corporate, the thing that I found really different was working for a big bank. There was always somebody who was an expert in everything. You had to find them, and there was always someone to go to. Whereas when you get to this world, there isn't, and you need to quickly become that expert. So that was a big change. So getting the network, building a network is like is crucial for that. And then the other one is just reading. And so I try and try and read as much as possible. And that's a mixture of really enjoy reading books about about the stories behind businesses. And so I think Shoe Dog is probably my favorite book of all time. I grew up as a kind of track and field athlete, so it's, a, it's, an, it's an obvious one. 
to choose, but that, that amazing story and you really understand the business when you when you see that. And then other books like the Elon Musk book is incredibly inspirational, seeing that business kind of his both his businesses nearly fail in, in the in the crisis in like 2008 so that kind of thing i think there's also a place for reading books about when things don't go right so like the bad blood theranos book is an amazing read it's just a kind of addictive page type kind of thing but it shows you about you know what not to do and, and, and how things can really fall apart and then i guess more practical stuff so just reading things like things like deep work by cal newport radical focus about kind of the OKRs, objectives, key results, methodology that you can use in your business to, to stay focused. I like to kind of mix. I much prefer reading the kind of the, the stories and then the books about about businesses growing. But I think there's also a place for that kind of practical yeah, practical learnings as well. That's some serious list there, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best library anyone's ever given me when I've asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I... I feel like there's so many good startup books out there, and uh, like when you go to read those books that are quite practical, you you you're there for a purpose. But often when you read the books about business stories, there's stuff that you don't that you just take learnings that you never sort of expected to. And I think like the thing that unites the really good ones, so you know the kind of the shoot on the knife story, the Amazon one, the Zappos book, which is delivering happiness, it is all that they the businesses all have like an amazing clear mission behind them and and they just they once they've got that right they will just you know run through walls to achieve it and that seems to like really knit the really great businesses together i completely agree with the shoe dog one that's probably one of the first ones that i read but i'm a big trainer obsessive person as well and my go-to is nike so there's there's quite a lot of trainers hidden around the house yeah, definitely. You fall in love with, it's like impossible not to fall in love with Nike once you, once you read that. Definitely. So final question from myself is if anyone wants to find out more about you, about Dr. Wills or about B Corp, where's the best place to point them to? Yeah, definitely. So LinkedIn is probably the easiest one. Yeah, I'm on there. Find me, find me on there and um, I'll be happy to, happy to chat to anybody who wants to talk to Dr. Wills or B Corp. Perfect. I'll make sure I put a, a link in the show notes to, to your LinkedIn page as well. Awesome. Sounds great. Perfect. Just want to say thank you for your time today, Liam. It's been awesome talking. No worries, Dan. No, it's good to good to chat. Hopefully there's enough in there to make a decent episode out of. Definitely. Thanks for your time. No worries. Cheers, Dan. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.